You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 262. Today's case study of the week showcases one of the most bizarre niches you've ever heard of and how they're absolutely crushing it. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over 2 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here, and thank you so much for tuning in to a special Wednesday edition of the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's the Wednesday edition, you ask? That's when I showcase extraordinary entrepreneurs that are up to extraordinary things in their life, in their business, and today is no exception. No exception. I'm about to introduce you to Kathy Hay, who for the past 12 years has been running a business in the most bizarre niches you've ever heard of. And I'm not going to reveal it here. I'm going to let her reveal it. So you're going to have to listen to the entire episode, but she'll share it within the first five minutes. So don't worry. You don't have to wait too long. But why this is such a critically important episode is I cannot stress this enough. I hear this all the time, all the time. People saying things like, James, You know, the only people that are making money online are people telling people how to make money online. The only profitable courses are courses about how to make courses about courses. Of course. A horse is a horse, of course. Think again. Here's why you're thinking that. Here's why that's your experience. Chances are because you want to build an online business, sell courses. So those people are really good at targeting you. So you see them everywhere you go, but you're not in the knitting niche, the horse training niche, or the pet potty training niche. And if you're not, you're not gonna see those things. I still today, and this is an example of one, discover people in these odd, bizarre, funky niches like every week. And the reason I discover them even 12 years of doing this and going to countless conferences and events and courses and all that stuff is because I'm not in those spaces. So you don't know until you know, okay? And I just want to continue to give you more evidence of all these people doing the things that they love. And we end this episode with a message that I'm going to continue to stress. And I'm really not concerned with if I sound like a broken record to you because sometimes, you know, repetition... It just takes a while to get in there. But we ended this episode with Kathy with a beautiful message. And the message is as simple as this. If you're not doing what you love, you're not doing what you are meant to do. If you're not doing what you love, you're not doing what you were meant to do. People say, follow your bliss, do what you love. They're not saying that for your health. I mean, they are, but it's not just because it's nice to do things you love. See, people say, yeah, well, I got to make money. No, that's not what they're saying. They're saying the love is the guidance to the money. (gasps) Wait, what? That feeling of love? I'm not talking about like the love of your spouse, even though that is the same, but different. But I'm saying like when you fall in love with your work, so that it doesn't feel like work, like something just flows, something is like time distorts, stands still or flies by. Those indicators of like, I'm just like so passionate about this thing. That is the guidance system guiding you to what is going to give you both financially and just mentally, emotionally, the most rich life possible. I used to think when someone says, do what you love, I'd be like, yeah, that's really nice. That'd be a nice convenience. No, 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 no. It's not about convenience or that'd just be really nice advice. No, that's the only way. That's the only way. We ended this episode that you're about to listen to with that message. And I said, you know what? I might as well just start the episode with this so you can hear it. You can hear it through Kathy's message and her voice and, and just what she says and how she says it. She's been doing this for 12 years and she loves it just as much today as she did 12 years ago. And there's no dink as to why she's so successful with this and what she does. So what is it she loves? 
What is it she does? What is this bizarre, unique niche? Well, you're just going to have to listen to the episode in order to find out. So I'll stop blabbering and we'll begin that interview right now. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Kathy Hay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with today's special guest, our case study of the week, Kathy Hay. Hey, Kathy. <laughs> How are you? How are you? <laughs> good, good. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show because what some of our listeners may know is that I brought you on to a Facebook Live that we did back in, I think, April. Maybe it was. I lost track of time. And you shared your incredible story of your growth and what you've done with a membership in like the weirdest sorry to judge, weirdest of all niches that I had no idea exists. And this is one of my new favorite hobbies within this business is finding out the weird niches and weird things that people do to make money and build a business. And you're just an amazing example of this. So there was so much feedback. There was so much, people were just like so impressed by you, by your story, what you've accomplished. And I think it gave people a lot of hope, you know, I think one of the common things we see is, and this is always a funny thing, is uh, the only way to make money online is teaching people how to make money online. And we don't see all these other niches. And I always like to say, it's like, well, that's because they're really good at targeting you and you want to make money online. So they're going to target you, but you're not necessarily going to see all the ads for, you know, like horse training and dog training and your niche, for example, right? Unless you're really in that space. And so I always love bringing these weird and interesting and really creative niches to light for people. So I, I just, I thank you. And I think a great place to start is why don't you just tell people what it is you do? Who do you help? Okay. I help corset makers, people who make Victorian corsets. And let me get that right. Somebody said to me the other, somebody misheard me the other day and said, oh, you, you help people create courses. <laughs> Not courses, corsets. Yep. As in Victorian, the thing that makes your waist smaller. Yep. Yeah. Now, this is like Victorian times dress wear. And um, most of those people are no longer living. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so you're not making it for for those people. But this is something that today people want to learn how to make this. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's actually all sorts of people. It's historical reenactors mm. who want to create something absolutely authentic. It's cosplayers, because if you're making a Wonder Woman costume or a She-Ra costume or a lot of those different types of costumes, they've all got corsets. Wow. And it's fashion as well. It's the most, possibly the most controversial garment you could make to make a splash as fashion designer. So everybody wants to make corsets. It's perceived to be one of the most ambitious things that a dressmaker can make. So a lot of people, if they're really ambitious, it's like, yeah, one day I want to make a corset. Wow. And once they get into it, it becomes just this rabbit hole that you can go down and do all kinds of different historical styles and then start developing just the idea of being able to change the shape of your body. Is that why it's so controversial? Yeah, well, it's it's something that is perceived as being, nowadays it's been linked with women's history and the way we were not appreciated and maybe oppressed in the past. It, we seemed to stop wearing corsets about the same time that we got the vote. So mm. they've been connected with this history of being held down. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're remembered as being something that was used to control women. Yeah. And it's not really that simple, but that's often the way it's perceived. Or they're perceived as being uncomfortable or painful or a torture device. And it's really not. I mean, there's a lot of myths to bust about it. One of the wonderful things about it is that there's tons to talk about and everybody's got an opinion. Yeah. That's really good for you then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, there are people who do sewing tutorials on YouTube and you can guarantee you do a corset tutorial that thing's going to go viral. Wow. And it's the corsets that really get people going Whoa. positively and negatively. You either love them or you hate them. Yeah. Okay. So how long ago did you start? Now you have a membership. So how long ago did I you did, yeah. start this? I started it in November, 2007. I launched. Do you know we started our businesses at the exact same time? Yeah. I yeah, started. I heard in you the... say that once on the podcast. I yep. was like, wow. Yeah. What are the chances of that? Yeah, it was like Thanksgiving weekend of November 2007. Yeah. I had Last the idea. November, yeah, yeah. Holy cow. The same week. <laughs> that's, that's so awesome. 
And uh, okay, so it's like 12 years now, yeah. almost. Like it's going to hit 12 and years it, this year. And you have a membership. Can you kind of give us a little bit about where the membership is at? Like how many members and how it's doing? We are currently at 770 something. Wow. I have had a time in the past where we went just over a thousand when I did a big big launch promotion. Yeah. It was it was years ago. It was kind of a big flash in the pan thing mm. where a lot of people came in and then they left just as quickly. But on a sustainable level, we're at 774 right now. That's amazing. Congrats. And is this is this basically like the main thing you do in your business? Yes. Yeah. This is it. This is what I do. Yeah. And it's um it's not just courses because this is what we lead with. So it's all kinds of sewing and historical sewing, but courses yeah. is what everybody comes for. Yeah. Yeah. So I brought Kathy on because she's been able to grow a very successful membership. So that's number one. But number two, the niche is just so unique. And so one of the really important first questions I wanted to talk to you about, because this is a big thing for so many people, someone who's just getting started, they don't know what niche to go into. You know, they're afraid they're going to put time, effort, and energy into the wrong niche. Wasting all Mm -hmm. of that time can be like really frustrating. You know, I want to remind people I was teaching bartending for three years, my first three years. So, you know, you could call that the wrong niche, but I learned a lot that I have still kept with me today. But I know you have some thoughts and insights on the characteristics of a niche that has potential. And I'm wondering if you can share those and also like what were some of the indicators that you just knew you could create a membership from corset making? Well, it was... It was that I noticed early on, it's not like any niche will work just because it's small. It just, I mean, I'm saying that you can get success in a small niche, but it, it's got to have certain characteristics. So first of all, what I noticed when I started out was there was a free group that someone had started just because they were enthusiastic. They just wanted to start a group for the sake of it. And it was a group just about corset making. And it was just amazing to notice the passion people had in that group. Mm. There was a lot of energy in that group. And it was real, it was busy, it was, everybody had questions. So the passion was really like, wow. I'd seen other groups start and yeah, you know, people, there was an interest, but this one was just on fire immediately. So it was like, wait, there's something going on here. And then also in addition to that, there was a hunger. There was people did not know how to do this and they they could see they could see the gap between where they were and where they wanted to be because they could find they could google pictures of what they were trying to do of the shape they were trying to get but they couldn't reproduce it and they didn't know how that was done how was that done back in the day and there was just this hunger for information and then i had something new to bring to it because many of them were just home dressmakers and I had a background where I knew more about the history so I had I had some knowledge that most people didn't have mm. and I also had I was actually trained as a high school math teacher so whereas most many artistic people will say oh no no I don't do math I don't do the math don't show me measurements and make me draft a pattern I was able to create a tutorial where you take your list of measurements and you make a pattern that fits and that whole thing went nuts. So I had something unique to bring to this niche that wasn't already there, that brought something new for people. So it was the passion and the hunger. They could see where they wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I I didn't even have to teach them that there was somewhere they could go. They could see what they wanted and they were frustrated. And that led to there being myths and misconceptions. Oh no, we can't we can't create that shape anymore because the Victorians, well, they had different shaped bodies. They were wearing corsets from childhood. And there's this whole myth developed about wow. the modern body and how we can't create those shapes anymore. And if we've been working for years now on trying to bust this myth about the modern body and how it can't be done anymore. Yeah, that, that humans have just evolved over the last like 100, 200 100 years, years so much that we're just a different shape now. Wow. Yeah. They were seeing these shapes and going, I, I don't know, nobody can do that. That's crazy. Look at that woman's waist. And we're now teaching that the secret is that they were padding like crazy. They were padding out the hips and padding out the bust so that the waist looked smaller. So they really thought 
that there was something else going on here, but we've been able to bust that myth. What a, what a few beautiful example of busting a myth is this, this belief that starts spreading that humans are different now than they were 150 years ago. Therefore we can't actually make it authentically like it was. And then you come along and say, no, it's not the body has changed. It's that they've added other things like padding, et cetera, that gave yeah. the, and that's just like, that just even creates, Oh, I need to learn how to do it that way then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It made it into this great treasure hunt. We're like Indiana Jones going mm. back into the past and trying to find the pattern books and find the secrets they didn't necessarily write it down mm -hmm. so we've had to figure it out and piece it together and that's just fascinating yeah well i really want to um just reiterate what you shared here because i think this is one of the most valuable things here about you know first you hear people all the time say like you know the, the richest is in the niches and mm -hmm. so like niching down so you didn't create sewing academy right you didn't mm -hmm. create costume academy it was uh specifically started just with the corsets and how to make them. Mm -hmm. So we've gotten something specific and narrow. And then what you were looking for is you found free groups and you found groups that they were already formed. And inside those groups, there was a lot of passion and energy, but not only that, but it wasn't like, cause I've seen groups with passion and energy that there isn't a big need actually, mm -hmm. you know, like they're not really oh, yeah. struggling with anything. They're just really passionate about something. And that's really, really important that you have to solve a problem. So the hunger, the need, and the gap, when they're describing how frustrating it was when they could see something, but they couldn't recreate it, those mm -hmm. are good indicators. But I love the last one that you shared, which is, it's one thing to choose the right niche, you know, which everyone's like so worried they're gonna choose the wrong niche. But I love what you're adding about, it's not just choosing the right niche, but realizing that like to really be successful in that niche, it's going to take you having a new perspective, unique value or knowledge that moves that industry or niche or world further than it's ever been. And those are the people that go on and grow. And so, you know, I, I mean, people can sit there and keep saying, who am I to be doing this, which doesn't really serve anybody, especially not yourself, let alone any, anybody in your industry. Or we could say, how can I start moving this industry forward? How can I contribute to its evolution? And you had that inherently. So bam, that's like, you're just ticking off all the boxes. So you started a, a membership and did you launch it, the membership in 2007? Yes, I did. Wow. And actually, it's not, I didn't strike gold immediately with the courses yeah. mm -hmm. because I thought that, well, I knew that Sewing Academy would work. You know, people like sewing. There are magazines on sewing. But I thought I really wanted to start in historical, so just general historical sewing. And I thought, well, it probably won't work, but I'll, I'll kind of play around with that for a few months. And then I'll probably have to go back to sewing. So the crazy thing is that I actually ended up going even deeper. Mm. So it's not like... It's not like I'm not trying to put pressure on people here that you've got to strike gold immediately. You can kind of shift and go sideways a bit, go deeper a bit, find maybe start a little bit wider and then find the vein of gold running through that and then go deep, deep. Yeah, it was like this, this industry of sewing or the world of sewing. Yeah. And then this segment or market of historical yeah. And then it was, I'm just going to take one sliver of that yeah. corsets and yeah. start there. Yeah. Because I was still too wide, you know? Mm -hmm. One person wants to be Elizabeth I. The next person wants to be Martha Washington. Third person wants to be Doris Day. You know, it's a wide subject. So yeah. it was still too broad. And, so and, and one of the reasons why I think it's so important tunage down is we have to remember that we're selling one too many. And so it's really hard to write a message that is universal to a bunch of people that want to do completely different things. Yeah. You know, it's like, so you're here on this page because you want to make corsets or you want to sew your kids clothes, or maybe you want to make quilts or maybe you want, you know, and you're just like rambling off all these things. They're like, yeah. um, this isn't for me, <laughs> you know, Yeah. but, uh, it just makes your writing and your messaging so much more, uh, easy to write. So that's awesome. So yeah. take us through a little bit of the journey of the growth and evolution of the membership. Like where did it start? And then like, when did it really start to take off for you? Well, it started with, I think 20 people signed up immediately because how I, because I'd already spent 
four years on this is pre Facebook on Live Journal, just getting to know people. Mm. So I was just getting online for the first time. I was looking for brides actually who would buy my dresses because before all this, I was trying to work as a dressmaker. Sewing is very, very underpaid. So I was looking for brides. I wasn't finding brides. I was finding the people reading and commenting were other dressmakers. So I got upset. People are trying to steal my ideas. Everybody's trying to steal my ideas. And then what really changed everything was when I realized that these are the people whose attention I have. Mm. What can I do for them? Yes. So, you know, I realized that the important thing here was the attention. Attention is hard to get now. So when you've got somebody's attention, you go there. So 20 people signed up immediately. Within about a month, I had 100. No way. word of mouth, just word of mouth. I didn't know, this is years ago, I didn't know anything about launching. Yeah. I mean, I was following a few people, but it was, you know, it was a time when everything was text PDFs. I couldn't, I couldn't afford to buy a lot of courses or any of that, mm-hmm. you know. I was getting a lot of emails with people talking about this guy, Jeff Walker, and the yeah. launching thing, but I wasn't doing it. I didn't launch for years. So it was just spreading by word of mouth through people. And again, reason it works in a small niche is the people in a very small niche are going to go, oh, my God, Really? There's a membership about that. <laughs> hey, guys, guys, come over. Uh-huh. Come over and join this thing. So it grew very, very steadily, very steadily. Mm. It, grew, it did grow, but just by word of mouth, so very, 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 very slowly. Let, let me ask you a question right there. Is um, you, you said you were a high school math teacher. Yeah. And then you became a dressmaker. Mm-hmm. At that point, in either of those points in your life, did you ever look at yourself or consider yourself an entrepreneur? I didn't. Mm-hmm. What I did notice, and the reason I went into this was not to be an entrepreneur. The reason I went into this was that I saw an opportunity to spend my time hiding behind my laptop. Yeah. This is (laughs) so bizarre, Kathy, because when I started, that's exactly what my strategy was too. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. If I just put something on the internet, then I don't have to get a job where I'm around people and I can just kind of hide and chill out. That's really fascinating. But the reason I ask this is because I hear this flip in perspective. And I think that's where like, that's where everything started for you is where at first it was like, wait a second, you're taking my ideas. And then all of a sudden it was like something switched and it was, oh, I have these people's attention. There's an opportunity. And I just want to sh- I highlight these moments because this is the difference between an entrepreneur and someone who's not. And I don't, mm-hmm. I'm, that's why I was really curious. It's like, is this something that you were felt always called to or just something finally switched? And um, I've been sharing, uh, if you guys have been following my Instagram stories, I've been sharing these business blunders. And there are these examples of business owners that are like doing the craziest things. And I'm just like, why aren't you taking advantage of these opportunities? And the example I, I shared most recently that reminds me of this is there's a big craze right now for people doing celery juice, you know, drink celery juice, pure raw celery juice every day. And we go to our local juice place and they refuse to sell it to us because they said too many people are getting it. And so we can't keep it in stock enough. So we're not going to allow it to happen. You're not allowed to get celery juice here. And that to me is the most crazy thing because what an entrepreneur does is say, Hey, the demand is going up. Where's the opportunity? What's the opportunity here? I just want to point this out because when we start thinking like an entrepreneur, that's usually when we start growing our business and yeah. uh, case in point here with you, Kathy. So that's really cool. I don't think it's necessarily that I've, I mean, I, at the time I would have characterized an entrepreneur as a huge extrovert. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's mm-hmm. not me. What was actually the case is because I was an introvert, I was standing away from the crowd, which meant that I was almost getting fascinated by seeing the big picture because I was looking at the crowd from the outside and seeing the trends and seeing what's happening and just watching the party happen and who was talking to whom and what was going on on a bigger level. So that's kind of one of those places where an introvert makes a great entrepreneur because you're kind of on the outside of things taking the bird's eye view and seeing what's going on rather than being in the middle of everything. Do you know the rest of your Myers-Briggs personality type? Yeah, INTJ. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, you're just <laughs> you're just describing my brain like completely. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's INTJ. <laughs> you know, like even having the math background and everything, I was like, well, obviously a T, 
but yeah. absolutely that it's it's not just the introvert it's that big picture and connecting dots and yeah. seeing patterns and seeing what others can't and that's not just the INTJ but definitely a lot of the N as well as seeing and connecting those things so that's really awesome and I love this. That's very cool. That's very, really, really cool. So, okay. So you took it to a hundred members really fast through word of mouth. You weren't launching. There was no Facebook ads. There were no funnels back then. This is a long time ago, folks. You know, I know Kathy and I are going to sound like your old grandparents at this point, but you know, you don't know how easy you, you kids have it today, but back in our day, we had yeah. to build our business uphill 30 miles both ways. It was, yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't know HTML, don't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Thank you, Kathy. Kathy's my new best friend. She gets me. <laughs> I had to learn HTML. That's what we had to do back then. We didn't have click funnels and lead pages and Kajabi. You had to do it yourself. There was one or two membership platform solutions that even existed. You kids yeah. don't know how easy you got it today. <laughs> I love this. All right. So how were you able to go from a hundred to a thousand? Is that just 10 years of consistency or what? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah it was just sticking with it. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't necessarily feel like I knew what I was doing, but I just, when I was very new to it, I tried to sell it and have a sales page. And my friends would say, oh, honey, please stop. <laughs> It's painful. Just, just stop trying so hard. Just let it just let it spread naturally by word of mouth. Just do good work and people will come to you. So that's how I grew it. Wow. I literally did it by word of mouth and just being good and hoping people would find me. And it so, was working. And yeah, it works. Yeah. But it's really slow, which is right. where I, which is why I'm at one membership with seven hundred members and you're where you are. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's still a lot of members. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot oh, of yeah. people. I'm not, I'm not putting that down. Good. But I, see, <laughs> I see now, knowing what I know now, yeah. and learning from people I'm learning from now, mm -hmm. oh, wow, I really... I really took the scenic route there. <laughs> well, that's beautiful because um, I mean, he's seen this just these beautiful parallels that I didn't even notice on our Facebook Live interview. But I would say that's the first divergent path that we went on is that I was realizing as an introvert, I didn't like selling. I didn't want to sell. I avoided it. And there was a reflect that reflected, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and I think you had a lot of other things going for you, considering the fact that you're in a very narrow niche with obviously, you know, the work spoke for itself. So you had a lot of word of mouth, but you probably didn't have any competitors, right? Nope. Still don't have any. Oh, gosh, <sighs> we shouldn't even air this episode because we don't want anyone to to get any ideas, you know what I mean? But they couldn't even possibly keep up with you at this point. And that's another thing we can get into. We can talk about competition and stuff. But I really started leaning into selling. And today I love it because selling is a service. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is I look at selling like a tool, just like a hammer is a tool. And so when people say selling is sleazy, it's no, no, no. Sleazy people are using this tool the wrong way. And because yeah. we all love buying stuff, we all have an experience of buying something that we love. People who like to go into the Apple store and going through the whole experience of getting in your new iPad or whatever, right? So selling done the right way is an amazing experience. And that's where the transformation begins, obviously. But I, yeah, I did, I did lean into that. And, and I know you have more, like you're launching now, aren't you? Yep. Yep. I am. I did uh, I did a launch in March where we grew the business by 50%. Wow. Um, yeah in terms of sales so is that like one of your biggest growth yes, yes wow and that was just so in that march was my second only my second like full launch so yeah. Yeah. yeah and i mean i i'm still getting used to the idea my first big launch by this time i i now have three coaches working with me and i pretty much just put them in front of the camera and got them to talk and just share their knowledge mm -hmm. and this time this time was the time that I wrote a script, read it into a camera, line by line, edited out all the pauses, and good Lord, it actually worked. Well, you know. <laughs> was that a struggle for you, being on camera and all of that? Being on camera per se, no. But being on camera and persuading and selling mm -hmm. was a bit of a stretch. Yeah. But it helped that... I had my script written, I knew what I wanted to say, and I'd gotten more used to talking on camera and 
being persuasive and just talking, just sharing ideas, doing Facebook lives yeah. and doing blog videos and sharing an idea and trying to persuade people of something. Mm-hmm. Look, I've had this idea. This is another way to look at this problem you've been having. That helped a lot, actually, in just being persuasive on camera and believing that I had something to offer. I'm sure that to uh, almost, what, 10, 12 years of of having the membership, it becomes a lot easier to have that truth, that knowing that you do have something to offer. Yeah, yeah, it does. We have some members who've done some great things in the last 10 or 12 years. We've had people who've gone professional who came from beginners, so. Yeah, this is a great, I think you're touching on something that I think is just important to share with our listeners that, I get it guys, you're new, if you're new, you don't, the confidence, the certainty isn't always there. And there are things we can do to feel more confident, to get into a more confident state. But understand too, that as you grow, you get that feedback, the feedback from members and testimonials, case studies, and the compliments and the, all the, the wins that they're having, that will feed that confidence. That will give more certainty. Now, you don't have to wait for all of that, but that just means that growth accelerates because you get more certain, you have more conviction, more confidence, and you speak with more of that certainty and clarity. Mm-hmm. And that's what it takes. I mean, that's, that's what it takes. So I love that. So would you say that that is, if I were to ask, like, what's the biggest thing you've struggled with in, in your journey? Is that it? Or is there any other thing that's been like really um, tough on this whole personal growth journey? It's been the whole process of having the courage to put myself out there yeah because i feel like you and i both started this wanting to hide behind a laptop yep then the internet pulled this bait and switch on us where suddenly we've got to be like stars on our own tv show or our own radio show. yes yes there was okay guys like this is is not what we signed up it's not what we signed up for (laughs) back then because what kathy's speaking to is in 2007 there was no social media there wasn't twitter hadn't been invented yet or at least it wasn't public facebook was only available to colleges at the time now i was i had gone to college i was one of the first 30 or 40 schools that had access to facebook so i had it but it was just to connect with your college friends there was no social media in 2007 okay so the internet what people were doing there this is so funny because there's people that just don't know that this world existed they were just creating sales pages mm-hmm. and putting ebooks on them and you didn't have, there was no video. YouTube had just come out a year ago. So the flip cam was like just being invented. And even that was like a miracle to get a video uploaded to the internet. Back then I was using, actually I think the flip cam was more like 2009. I was using like a DV camera, like with a tape in it and you had to transcode the tape. So it was actually very easy. You just used a picture of yourself, right? And you were on a sales page and saying from the desk of Kathy Hay, right? Dear future corset maker. And that was like, that was it. And it was just your words and anybody could write the words. It didn't even have to be you. All of a sudden, Facebook is public to, you know, to everybody. Twitter is available, you know, Instagram wasn't until around like 2011, 2012, but it's like, yeah, you got to show up. And now even more than ever, like show up. So I, I, when Facebook first started, you didn't put, it was a big deal. Like, wait, we're going to use our real names. (laughs) Right. We're going to use pictures of ourselves. Yep. And you know, before that, it was all like, it was all usernames and like icon pictures. And Mm -hmm. you know, if you were putting yourself out there and selling something, even having your name written on the page was a big deal. So yeah. So I get you because you're in it at that point, right? You're doing it. And then all of a sudden the the rules of the game changed. And, and I just, I love this conversation because I don't meet too many people that were doing it back then, you know, doing this work back then, 10, 12 years ago. So it's, it's really awesome because I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) And I'll tell you during that time is when I struggled the most. And I see a lot of people that were doing, and I know you know who I'm talking about, but there was a lot of people that did really well back then and you can't find them anymore. And uh, that's fine, no judgments or anything, but this is how the market has moved. The market will move again, and these are opportunities. They're opportunities to say, hey, people want more transparency, they want more connection, and you gotta give the people what they want, right? The market demands what it wants, give the people what they want. So that can be hard, because you've gotta kinda change your whole MO, and obviously you've done that. What advice would you have for somebody that is struggling to show up and 
you know, maybe they're an introvert and they're a little insecure, worried about being judged and questioning if they even have what it takes? I would say you need a, you need a sort of peer group around you or a mastermind of some sort, maybe not called a mastermind, but you need a core group of people around you who believe in you. Because yeah. what has caused me to believe in myself is other people telling me. Other people think, seem to think I'm way more confident than I <laughs> think I am. And they see me as this badass. Yeah. You fooled um, everybody, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's having people around you believe in you. Yeah. And having enough trust in them to trust what they see in you mm. more than what you see in yourself. Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. I love that, you know, seeing is like all of mirrors kind of stuff. Right. Right. But you know, you're an INTJ, so yeah. you're already inherently a badass. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. That's me also complimenting myself, guys. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm I, I'm actually that's really it's interesting. Like, this is just so crazy because I was someone that grew up struggling with a lot of insecurities, self-esteem. By the way, this is the Dunning's-Kruger effect, too. A lot of people that st struggle with self-esteem, it's like, have you ever considered that the reason you struggle with self-esteem is because you have such a higher standard of living that you'll fall short of it? But the fact that you have that higher standard of living already, like you demand higher from yourself, already probably puts you higher than than average anyway. So it's the whole Dunning-Kruger's effect in place, which is really interesting, that the people that are the most capable tend to question themselves the most because they know the most. Very fascinating yeah. concept. But a lot of people would, because of, especially being a big T and a J, you're very matter of fact. I am, like, you know, very matter of fact. People just like, you know, especially when you're quiet too, you don't sit, talk that much. So people just assume you're really smart. You know, it's the people that talk the most yeah. that you know, like what they're really thinking. So I just love it. This is fantastic. And yeah, that's, that's, uh, I think that's definitely helpful. Did you have people in your life? I know you had people saying, don't sell, don't push, but did you have people that just thought this was just like the craziest idea to be selling something on the internet? Yes. I remember when we did that Facebook Live, yeah. I went back and found the original Live Journal post where I quote unquote launched yeah. my new membership site. I found I did one post and I did okay. But the amazing thing about that was that I'd never looked before at the comments and the comments were very negative. Mm. I couldn't, and I just remember but what must have kept me going? I mean, those comments kind of should have put me off, but I was so excited about what I was doing yeah. because I was so into my geeky niche right. that I was like, I don't care, I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, I loved it. Yes. So that was really what carried me at the time. Ugh. So that's, that's also what helps is being, if you're passionate enough about what you're doing and it's like, I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> you can all do what you like. I'm going to be over here doing this. If anybody wants to join me, then... Fine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a what a great like disposition though. Like that's to me that's what it is too. Is is like well I'm really happy in doing what I'm doing. So why does anything else matter? Why does anything yeah. else matter? You're helping people and you're happy doing it. What's more important? What's more important? You know, in the context of business, right? Like you're doing what you love. You love what you do. You're helping people. Yeah, and people are gonna criticize you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And life know. goes on. Oh. Yeah. This is awesome. Toughened me up, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me ask, you've had this massive growth. What would you say now? Like, what are your steps moving forward? What are plans for the future? Where do you see yourself a year from now, even like five, 10 years from now? Oh Lord. You know, this is where I'm, this is where I'm not so sure sometimes because mm -hmm. I've already created what I wanted back then. Isn't that so crazy? Like new goal. Yes. I, I mean, I know people are going to be like, oh gosh, you know, James, those, you know, first world problems, first world entrepreneur problems. But like, yeah, yeah you, you have this big vision that you had 12 years ago. And then all of a sudden you ha you wake up one day and you're like, wait, I have it. This, yeah. I got it. And then you realize, oh, I haven't been envisioning anything beyond this. So does that kind of feel like where you, where you're at right now? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there are parts. I've got parts of it in place, pieces of the puzzle there. Yeah. I'm not doing, I've been working too hard. I need to find my integrator. Mm. I've had a 
I've had a bad habit of hiring visionaries and forcing them to be integrators because I hire people like me. That is, so, by the way, I just talked to one of our uh, seven-figure uh, mastermind members about this. It's one of the biggest hiring mistakes that people make is they hire people like them or they hire people they like. And yeah. that's a, yeah, that those are the two biggest mistakes in hiring. And instead what we want to do is say, what does the business or rather the vision for the future of the business, what does it need? And it's yeah. rarely someone that's like you. <laughs> One of us is enough. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Yeah. So yeah, I've got to, I've got to get myself out of the day to day. I've not been doing such a great job of producing something awesome and free. So, and I've not been giving myself permission to do that. What I should be doing is spending less time in front of the computer and more time in my sewing room making awesome things mm. and putting that and making that into free content. So right now I'm in a place of giving myself permission to do the fun stuff. Good for you. And do the stuff that's going to get people excited and get yeah. people following yeah. this brand, which is like a weird it's, it's a weird place when work doesn't feel like work anymore. Right. And you're kind of giving yourself permission to, no, 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 the fun stuff is work too. Uh-huh. You get to do the fun stuff now. Yeah. And that serves people too. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's the goal, right? Wasn't that the, yeah. the, the plan all along? It's like... Yeah, it's like, wait, wait, I'm allowed for that? It's, yeah. You know, there's a whole... <laughs> wait, this is actually... I guess a, it's a whole deserving issue, isn't it? Yeah, all that does definitely come up. Totally, totally. And that's the interesting thing with the the uh, model that we're in mm -hmm. is someone joins your membership. There are certain expectations, right? Like of what they're going to get from you every month yeah. and what they're going to receive and learn. And this is a crazy concept for people. And I just always love bringing this up where it's like whether Kathy has 10 members or 10,000 members. In other words, whether she's making a couple hundred bucks or like a million dollars a month, it's the same amount of work. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. That's always like a really trippy thing for most people because our entire lives we've been indoctrinated, dare I say, brainwashed into this whole thing of work and deservedness somehow go hand in hand. Like, I need to work more if I want to make more because I'm not deserving of it unless I make more. And it's like, no, that's just a broken model or rather it's a more of an employee model and we're not employees. So you get to these places where it's like, wait a second, the membership just keeps growing, but I'm doing the same amount of work. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, effort and output is not proportional to the input. That scalability, that leverage becomes really exciting. So Yeah, um, and then there's another level on top of that where I noticed that I was working too hard and doing too much busy work. Yeah. And I think part of that was I was working as hard as I possibly could because I felt like I had to deserve yep. the sales I was making, Ugh. deserve the money I was making. I better be working as hard as I possibly can mm -hmm. in order to continue to deserve that money. How did you start to let go of that? I think consciousness of it. Uh-huh, that's a big thing. first piece, yeah. Total. Like, oh wait, that's what I'm doing there. Mm -hmm. And just, more than I think for me right now is the process of letting go and trusting the people on my team. They do actually know what they're doing. Yeah. And me making, me working harder and harder to make what they're doing 2% better is not going to make the experience, you know, 50% better for my Totally. Members. And I'll, so, um, how big is your team right now, including your coaches? It is six right now. Wow. Good for you. Yeah, That's awesome. Good. And what you brought up about letting go. That is probably the hardest thing for any entrepreneur to do. That's why I keep saying the whole thing, like what got you here and won't get you there is because what I have to imagine, Kathy, like what got you to that first stages of success is your tenacity and commitment. And like you had your hands in everything. Like you said, you learned HTML, you're doing your own designs, you're writing the copy, you're sending out the emails, you're doing it all yourself. You didn't have a team before you launched the membership, right? No, I didn't. Yeah. But it was only six months in when I did bring somebody on. Six months in and you brought your first person yeah. in and all of a sudden you realize the exact same strategies that got that initial success don't work the same when it comes to working with a team. Because if you if you keep that same disposition, they're just going to stay out of your way. They're going to say, well, Kathy knows what she's doing. I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll let her do it. And that was, oh man, I was doing that for years. People were like, why even bother doing it? James is just going to do it himself and he's going to do it better. Letting go, man, that is so hard. That's so hard for us, except when you do it, 
and I'm sure you've had this experience too, it becomes so rewarding and fulfillment because you see your team grow. Yes. You see the well, role it, that they step into. It happened by accident. I'd love to say that six months in, I was just figured this all out. Right. But in fact, what happened was six months in, I realized I couldn't write all the content myself. I was driving myself nuts. It was impossible. I needed other people to help with content. Yep. And I needed an editor to go and find that content and talk to people and persuade people to write for us. Yeah. I'm an introvert. I'm yeah. not going to do that. I, got, I don't want to do gonna that. I'm going to hire somebody to do that for me. Brilliant. And then when I did, it was like, wait, this is awesome. Yep. Somebody else is doing some of the work. What else can I let go <laughs> of? Who else can I hire? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. Uh, it was a few years before I got the next one. But yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of lucky that I did it. I kind of did it in a way for the wrong reasons, but you know, it worked so well. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that was a really good decision. Yeah. That yeah. really helped not to have everything on my own plate. Oh, totally. It just frees you up. It frees you up to yeah. do what you're meant to do, which is what I call the genius zone. You got to stay in your genius zone. You know, people say the zone of genius. It's either that or your comfort zone. So, and it makes it better because you get to oh, hire people yes. who are better than you at what at what the job is. Yep. Like nowadays with my coaches, for example, I've got coaches who are way more qualified than I am in corset making. I've got a guy who's like the world authority on Victorian women's clothing. And I will never hold a candle to him in that area. But I've now get to not only he gets to serve people because he doesn't know anything about getting online. He just wants to sew. Yep. So I put him in front of my members. He gets an audience. You know, we each win. And See, everybody, this my is, members get to, get to learn what they need. But this is so great because... How many people do we see that don't even get started because they're sitting there saying, I'm not the best in the world? No, I'm, not I'm definitely not the best in the world. I just hired all my friends. <laughs> these articles. Crazy. I, wanted, I, wanted, I had all of these friends writing blog posts about their projects. And I was going, no, 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 no. What I want is for you to write me a step-by-step -step tutorial on mm. how you did that. And then it was pretty much an idea of, wait a minute, if everybody had a whip round and we paid them to write write down how to do that you know i've had the borrowed authority that i have everybody in my niche writing content for me it means i don't have to perceive myself to be better than anybody or the biggest expert i'm the ringmaster of the circus i love yep. the greatest showman so i think of myself as the ringmaster of the circus yes and i bring in all the expertise from everybody else and put it together and give them a platform this is so powerful. And I'm just so glad you're sharing this because people think that like the value, I, I got to provide value by being the best and the smartest. It's like, no, you do have to provide value, but there's so many ways to do it. You can provide value by just bringing people together. Yeah. And that's, that's what it. you've that's done. Exactly what I'm doing. Oh, I love it. So anyways, I could geek out with you forever. I just, I love your journey. I love your niche. I love what you're doing. I love your thinking. It's so great. And I hope you guys were listening closely to how Kathy sees business. I hope it's inspired some of those who are hesitant to start and maybe a niche that you've been doubtful in. She gave some really key ingredients that I think are essential to a profitable niche. Even when it's, it's not a business niche. It's not for entrepreneurs. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And there's plenty that are not in anything to do with business. Kathy's just one example. So thank you so much. Where can we learn more about you? I am all over Instagram, Kathy.hey, Kathy with a C, H-A-Y. And I'm also on YouTube as well. So awesome. and my membership is, uh, I don't suppose that there are anybody listening interested in making courses. You if never you know. want to see the membership, it's yep. foundationsrevealed.com yeah. on very old software. So you'll need a handle to wind Joomla. Up. Joomla, yeah. I, I was cracking up when you told me that because that's, I remember Joomla and that's yeah. one of these like old solutions that existed 10 years ago that I haven't heard someone say Joomla in at least like eight years. That's amazing. Yeah. So we'll get you to Kajabi. If you ever needed proof that it doesn't matter what platform oh. you're on, I am living proof Amen. <laughs> that you can be like held together with sticky tape and string. Are you telling me that no one sits there on the checkout page and says, oh, Kathy, I didn't realize that you're on Joomla. Never mind. I'm not going to buy. <laughs> no, well, thank yeah, you. We need an update, but you know, yeah. we're doing all right. Yeah. But no one cares. They don't care. They just want the value. They just want the content, you know? Yeah. So this has been amazing, Kathy. Any final words for our listeners? My final words would be, if in doubt, go with what you're passionate about. Yeah. Because if nothing else, 
whatever problems I've had or challenges I've had over the last 12 years, being in a niche that I'm truly passionate about has carried me through because mm. I'm not even having to try to sound excited about this or to keep my interest going because this is what I'm thinking about anyway. This is what I get up for and, you know, this is what I would be doing if I had if I had all the money in the world and yeah. didn't need to do any of this, I would still be making courses and costumes. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm not working anymore. Mm. Just I just I love that. And I wanna say the same exact thing. If I had all the money in the world, you know, there in other words, no need to work, I would yeah. still be even if it was a complete strangers, I'd be like coaching them and like helping them in some way, strategic ways to help them grow. You know, like I'd just be talking to, oh, here, I got an advice for you. I got an idea for you. Here, let me coach you through this. And it's like, absolutely, do what you love. Yeah. If you're not doing what you love, you're not doing what you were put here to do. Yeah. Yeah. Kathy, hey, ladies and gentlemen. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on and, so well. uh, and, and donating your time and your knowledge to us. I know it's going to inspire a lot of people. So please guys reach out to Kathy. We'll link all of her info up on the show notes, but reach out to her on Kathy. Let her know personally, send her a DM, send her a comment and let her know how her story and this episode has impacted you in your life and what it's going to do to change your business moving forward. Thank you so much, everyone for tuning in. We'll see you here on the next episode of the mind your business podcast. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I wanna show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is, this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate, and we can get started right now.